Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. When you're moving, Pods knows flexibility matters. Because plans change, closing dates get pushed, renovations take time, and packing is a lot. Instead of a traditional moving truck, Pods delivers portable storage containers right to your driveway. Between moves, you can store with Pods. And if plans change, your dates can too. Get a quote today at Pods.com or by calling 1-877-973-PODS. Pods Moving and Storage. Trusted with over 5 million moves. Welcome to the Browns Wire Podcast. This is your host, Josh Keatley. With me is a very special guest, the editor of the Buckeyes Wire, my new boss, Phil Harrison. <laughs> How you doing, boss? I'm doing great, Josh. How are you? Thanks for having me on here. <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, I wanted to have you on here ever since I joined the Buckeye Wire. You know, we've had some pretty good conversations about Ohio State and, yeah. you know, their prospects. And, uh, you know, I thought you'd have some uh, pretty interesting points. I know we've kind of we've talked about Justin Fields pretty in depth mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. thought we kind of break it down from there. But how, how have you been? Well, I've been good. You know, I'm down in Florida. I live down in Florida. And, uh, you know, we're it's you, obviously you're hearing a lot of different chatter out there you never know what to believe this time of year with all the news and rumors and all that smokescreen stuff's oh, yeah. put out there uh with the nfl draft but uh definitely one of the things i've been playing paying close attention to is this you know narrative that justin fields doesn't have a uh, love for the game or work ethic or he's he's falling down draft boards which i'm sure we'll get into oh, yeah. uh, but it's busy you know this time of year is very busy even on the college side i know i, I write mostly college football but obviously we're we're talking college prospects getting ready for the NFL draft. So it takes up a lot of time, but it's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, here at the Browns, where we got a lot of listeners that are Ohio State fans, I probably, we probably get hit up. The, it's funny because uh, the shows that usually do the best are ones where we talk about like old Ohio State prospects. Right. Recently, we had uh, the Browns Wire editor, Jeff Risden, on, and we were talking Tom Cousineau, Butler Binotti, and all those oh, yeah. guys, you know, and it's, you know, it's funny. People people like to reminisce about those old prospects. You know, it's a bit when Denzel Ward got drafted to the Browns, it was a big yep. deal. So they, Browns fans really have that, uh, you know, they like they like Ohio State players. They they have that. They, they like they like Toledo players and Ohio players. Anybody from the state of Ohio, really. But I thought you know it would be a perfect opportunity to dive in. Uh, and you mentioned it. You mentioned Justin Fields. That's pretty much the most. It's funny because he's the most obvious, most talented. I mean, obvious first rounder. I don't think anybody's in the world is going to disagree that he's not going to go in the first round. But for some reason, right. he's very polarizing. Um, so what what is your take on him? Um, a little baffled by you know. I tend to look at the body of work with a guy and clearly we've seen Justin Fields body of work, not just be good. Um, it's been great. There yeah. have been a couple games where, you know, he's had some questionable decision-making um, things with say when he played against Indiana, right? He threw a couple balls up for grabs and a Northwestern game wasn't the best, but everybody has those games. So I'm a little baffled by the 
so-called decline of his abilities all of a sudden. And, and you can't forget, too, that it was a shortened season. I mean, you didn't have a whole complete season to even judge Justin Fields. He didn't have all that time to get ready in spring training, um, you know, ball uh, practice leading up to it. So a little bit of a different year last year, but the guy has got all kinds of unbelievable skill with his legs. He's got a, uh, one of the strongest arms in the draft. And, yeah, we're homers, right, because we're uh, Ohio <laughs> State and Cleveland Brown fans. But there's not a more athletic guy um, under center in the draft this year. And his ceiling is just way up there. And, and it's not just his ceiling. We've seen him perform. I mean, he's, he's uh, by all accounts, one of the most accurate passers available in the draft. So it's been very baffling to me to see him kind of drop down the boards. And I think, frankly, if he, if he goes beyond somehow the top ten, somebody, in my opinion, is getting uh, maybe the steal of the draft. Uh, and I agree with you. This is actually a conversation we had on a couple weeks ago. Donovan and I did our quarterback show uh, where we brought in uh, his, we brought in Darius to do a third party, kind of figure out our top 10. And they both had um, Wilson high, Zach Wilson higher yeah. than Justin Fields. Now I get that. I think that there is some argument. You can go back and forth there. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields may be more, if you look at his measurables, obviously more athletic, but Zach Wilson does have like that kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know that that wiggle to him, kind of like that Steve Young esque. I don't know why he's slipping through tackles, but he is. Or Jeff Garcia was kind of like that too, where it's like yeah. you know, he got guy ran a seven second forty yard dash, but for some reason he break three tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So I get that, I understand that, you know, and I I don't have any issue with you thinking that Zach Wilson is better than Justin Fields, but the narrative that he's not elite or that there's questions about what he can do. It just, it doesn't really make any sense. He, he does check all, he checks the same boxes as Zach Wilson. It's just a question of which boxes matter more to you. So that, that's kind of the crazy part. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, I, I tend to point out too, is you know, the level of competition has clearly been better for Justin Fields than it has been. And look, all we have to look at the Clemson game in the sugar bowl last year, where, that's one of the better, most athletic defense Justin Fields is going to face. It's not an NFL defense, but it's the closest you're going to get to it in college, right? And yep. just lit him up. Um, so to me, that that's there too. We, you know, you never know. You never know when you're trying to project these guys. People surprise you. Um, and certainly, there's guys that we we think about Ryan Leaf, who you think is going to be amazing in the NFL, and ends up bombing out. But um, I, I don't know. You're right. I mean, he checks almost every box for me. And you can even throw in the toughness factor. I mean, the guy yep. got knocked out of the game twice in his career, missed one play. By the way, came back in the following play and threw touchdowns both cases in both instances. So, yep. you know, he's a leader. Uh, people follow him. And, you know, I can sit here and, and gush about Justin Fields all day long. I'm not trying to be a homer, but I just don't get um, how anyone can look at him and say, well, we, we think he's the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft just doesn't make sense to me. And I've heard that from guys that are, you know, ESPN analysts, right? So it, it's just, it's just mind boggling to me. You know, it, it's funny. Let, let's talk about, let's to, to prove that we're not homers. Let's talk about some of the negatives you do see with Justin yep. Fields. Um, you know, one thing I, I don't think it's a negative, but one thing I, I do have my ears open about is that you do hear the criticisms about his attitude or, you know, his, his work ethic, um, yada, yada, yada. I don't think that there's, I don't think that that's something that I could see. I have very limited interactions with these guys. I've never met Justin Fields. Donovan has met Justin Fields. He's had, had an interview with him last year. And, you know, do, even through Donovan's in, interaction with him, 
he was much more interested in talking about basketball and other things other than football. Now, is that mm-hmm. the best thing, thing? Is that the best interaction to judge a prospect on, you know, after he's being harassed by the media during awards week? No, but it is interesting that out of all the guys there, that sticks out in Donovan's mind that oh, he didn't really want to talk about football, right? So I think that it like kind of like the, if you remember the Eli Apple situation a few years back, there was talk where what one of, I can't remember the, the scout. We talk about this on the show all the time. Eventually, I need to go back and Google it. But <laughs> the one of the scouts leaked out and said that uh, Eli Apple couldn't make his own food or something. It was something yeah. very stupid. Yeah. And for two weeks, we were trying to figure out what that meant. Well, now now that he's a pro, he's on his third different team, and his mom is up in his business constantly. We know Annie Apple. We kind of we know what that means now. So I, I tried to have my ears open a little bit to the fact that that might be the reality that Justin feels that I don't see. Um, but what what about you? What do you see as his biggest weakness? And does does what I'm saying make sense at all? You you've obviously been following the Buckeyes closer than I have. Yeah, his, his by without a doubt his biggest weakness, and you'll hear, other, hear others say this is that he holds the ball too long, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. The guy has all kinds of confidence in his ability to make a play. And by the way, Ohio State has tons of playmakers. So he does tend to hold on to the ball too long, thinking he can get out of it or scramble or make an extra, you know, guy or two miss and then find an open guy. However, it has gotten him in trouble before. Um, Indiana game, namely, he held on to the ball way too long through a couple picks. Um, And as you go to the NFL level, guys are bigger, stronger, faster. Those windows are going to get tighter. You have to know when to get rid of the ball and when to hold it. I mean, you, you can't go to the next level. That's the one area he's going to have to get better at. You can't go to the next level and hold on to the wall too long in the NFL. To me, that's by far his biggest weakness is, is you know, you've got to be able to um, take a loss and live for another down in, in the NFL sometimes. It's just not there right now. I think it can be developed, um, but it's definitely a mindset change he's going to need to go through. And I, I agree with that 100%. You know, you do see that a lot with Ohio State quarterbacks specifically because there is so much talent there. I mean, Justin Fields played with legitimately maybe one of the two best wide receivers in Ohio State history and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave this past year. I don't think yeah. I'm exaggerating too much by saying that that's a real possibility. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can't – they did have that – he has that luxury of waiting until someone's wide open. We saw that a lot with JT Barrett, for instance. He was kind of an extreme example. But, you know, people reflect on Michael Thomas. He's this all-pro, probably a future Hall of Famer. And his college collegiate stats were not that impressive. I mean, he was not basically second fiddle to Devin Smith for a huge right. portion of his career. And a lot of that right. was because JT Barrett, he, he didn't create separation. Right, he was he constantly caught the ball with someone in his hip pocket. Meanwhile, Devin Smith, who ran a four two forty, was getting creating separation because he was so much faster. Um, yep. So you, you kind of that that I could totally see that being that being his biggest issue, um, especially when you're talking about comparing him to Zach Wilson, who you know he's thrown into the to Mitt Romney's son, who runs a, a four nine forty. <laughs> he's not you know his <laughs> the, guy, right. the guy that yeah. created the most separation yeah. was uh, Bushman, the tight end, who was hurt. And we talked about that before too, so I could see that. But you know, uh, back to your point about him, you've seen some rankings where he's even further down the list. He's behind Mac Jones in yeah. some of these rankings. And Mac Jones, if you talk about Justin Fields' biggest weakness being that, Mac Jones is right up there too. I mean, he's got three for he's been he's thrown to three first rounders. It's insane. Right. Everybody's wide open. Everybody's wide yeah. open immediately. So I, I totally get that. But we won't spend too much time talking about Justin Fields. I'll ask you one more question, and then we'll move on to the second prospect, Wyatt Davis. But what do you think is the perfect team for Justin Fields to land to? You know, I really like 49ers. I know they're sitting there right at number three, but Shanahan's offense, and I mean, I, I just think he's a they, they have a need there, obviously. Um, they're oh, yeah. trading up to number three. 
And he, and look, Shanahan's been around Fields, by the way. Um, you know, Fields has gone to his camps and everything like that. So Shanahan has a relationship with Justin Fields. And I believe the offense that he runs is tailor-made for a Justin Fields. Now, maybe he doesn't get it year one. It takes him a little bit of time to, to get acclimated and all that. But I really believe the 49ers are sitting in, in good shape right there. And I think that is a perfect landing spot for him. You know, I'll, I'll give you a, a B to that. Um, you know, and it's down a little ways, but I think the New England Patriots makes a lot of sense at number 11. So I think if he doesn't go number three, you start to get to that watch of, okay, where is he going to go? I think you then might see some trading and jostling if he's still available after yeah. three. Um, but I really believe in my my heart of hearts that the 49ers are probably the team sitting right there that make the most sense for him. I would agree with that. I think the New England Patriots will also be a pretty interesting fit. I'm a big Cam Newton homer. Donovan and I argue about that constantly on this show. I, I think I view Cam as a Cam, I, I view Cam as one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. You know, uh, granted, I've only sure. paid attention to the game the last 20 years, but that's still that uh, you know to me that's what sticks out in my mind um, is Cam Newton and, and Justin Fields brings out a lot in that. Um, you know, obviously because Cam Newton's on his decline, Justin Fields is going to be you know sitting behind him seems like a perfect fit so i'm right there and with the, you um, yeah and the other, sorry the other thing on that is if you if you play for bill belichick you know oh yeah you know, we've seen bill belichick recreate things for his personnel and that would be that would be a good landing spot i know no one would be happy about him slipping to number 11 well new england would be probably but <laughs> um you know that would not be a bad spot for justin fields either no, it would. Like I said, I I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick. Uh, that's another guy who's uh, pretty much had labeled as a god in my eyes. I think he. I mean, you know, if he he he, hey, he took the Browns to the playoffs with Vinny Testaverde as the quarterback. So if you can do that, and, anything's possible, right? And, and reinvented <laughs> and reinvented the tight end position in, in the yeah. NFL. With, you know, so yeah. he, he just he has an ability to be always ahead of the game when he thinks about uh, what he's going to do with his personnel. So yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, so the second buck I have, I rated on my board. It was kind of, a, it was kind of a tie, but I went ahead and, and got him. This is the one I think is probably going to come off the board next. Is Wyatt Davis, the two-time All-American guard. Um, I, I feel like you probably agree, agree with me there. I want you to talk about maybe his biggest strength. We'll dive into his biggest weakness. I, I think that his biggest strength is his anchor. When you watch him, he doesn't, he doesn't move. Right? He doesn't. He, I, he just doesn't move. He's immovable. So what? But what do you, what do you see? His technique. I mean, and, and not only that, you know, he may not be a master of when I say master, maybe not elite elite at run blocking and pass blocking, but he can do both really, really well. You know, he only gave up four sacks his entire career um, at Ohio State, wow. one quarterback, one quarterback hit. And so he is just really good at both pass blocking and pass protection. You know, so if you're looking for a guy that you can plug in immediately and feel pretty good about being able to either run or throw the ball. Um, he's first round talent. I don't think he's going to go in the first round because of the injury concern with his knee. Um, but he's, he's graded out as a first round talent. And if he's healthy, um, and he can get to the shape that he was before last year, which he's, he's getting towards. Um, I think that's, that's a guy that you can plug in and be, have a potential all pro, uh, within the next couple of years. I do. I, so I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I also I also disagree with your rating of him. You know, uh, I, I think that he has all pro potential. I think that he checks every single box. I do think that we don't see him dominate enough when he's blocking in space. So I think that you, you could have a situation. I think the comparison that I, the comparison articles I've been doing on BuckeyesWire.com. Um, I compared him to AJ Kane, the Jacksonville Jaguars guard, who's a similar mm-hmm. prospect coming out of South Carolina. 
very solid, very solid. He's going to, you know, very like Joe, and Joe Andrews level, you know, trying to think of old Brown, John Greco type, great career, not a liability at all. Um, but you know, that, that slight lack of elite athleticism might hold him back at dominating space. You know, the guard, the guard that I have rated higher than White Davis on my board is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, mm-hmm. who I think is a first round t- a talent because he does have that a notch above elite athleticism to have him dominate in space. But yeah, that, yeah. that would be the only dis- disagreement. That's fine. And I can see that, right? Uh, opinions vary. I tell you this, though, he was first round talent before last season hit. Everybody had him in the first round, oh, yeah. right? So it's, it's just, but as you see, and again, it was a. Last year's kind of a weird year, but I, I look at the guy and know that he hasn't. He's only given up four sacks and and only one quarterback hit, and he's got to be out in space to do that a lot of times. So, um, you know, he he's productive, right? And, yeah. and by the way, he's he's the only. And some guys sometimes guys can be overhyped, right? Especially if they're at Ohio State and you have those type of stats. So we just never know until he goes to the next level, um, you know. But by the way, he's he's the only player on the offensive line that the the Big Ten Network named to their um, top of the 2000s team while he was still playing, right? So there's clearly uh, plenty of people out there that believe that he is a first-round talent, but um, clearly there's people that believe he's not because in mock drafts, he's he's definitely fallen down the board as well. So is he overrated or underrated? We're going to see. Yeah, I think I, I, a lot of it too is – I mean, I, I see your point. I, I gave him a second-round grade. I only have one guard as a first-round grade. You know, a lot of of it is with position too. You know, when you're just filling out your rankings, I mean, how many guards are realistically going to go there? But yeah, he's great. He's definitely an all-time great in in Ohio State history. I don't think there's any dispute over that. You brought up a funny thing about the, you know, the Ohio State linemen. And and, uh, we have seen recently, it's, it was more prevalent under the Trestle years, Jim Boheim, um, or not Jim Boheim, uh, Bowman. Um, yep. But you know, we you had uh, Mike Adams, who was I would I would label him as a bust. Alex Boone didn't get drafted. Uh, you know, you had the the born. Uh, turned out pretty good though, Alex Boone. He did, as the pro, yeah. But you know, that was a guy who came in as a very high recruit, didn't get drafted. Uh, you know, Mike Brewster, the center, he didn't get drafted either. It was a lot of those guys tested weird. You know, I think I have an old draft magazine, an old Lindy's draft magazine, where it talks about how all the Ohio <laughs> State all the Ohio State linemen come in with uh, you know flabby guts. Um, you know, in the combine and stuff like that. But, you know, you don't see that. You don't see that very often. Now, there's a lot of Ohio State linemen that hit it. But with that said, you know, Billy Price not making it kind of makes me – and it was Billy Price and Pat Elfline have both been kind of on the fringe of of keeping where they're at. And that brings me to my next prospect, Josh Myers, because I have Josh Myers as a second-round talent too as a center. I have him right there behind Creed Humphrey at Oklahoma. I think he's great. Um, you know, there, I, I don't see a whole, I, you talked about Pat White Davis pass blocking. I think Josh Myers is an elite pass blocker, but you know, I don't want a helmet scout, but you have to be cognizant of those things in the same system. And both those guys, I mean, Billy Price, Billy Price was an amazing, I mean, I gave him a first round grade coming out. I thought he was yeah. f- fantastic, phenomenal, played guard yeah. and center at a phenomenal all American level. And he's not good. He's just playing flat out. Not good. Yep. Yeah. So what, and- Think things changed a little bit under Urban Meyer, where you started to have guys from the offensive line make it. And actually, like, like Corey yes. Lindsley, he's overperformed, right? Yes. I mean, he was oh, yeah. Good if he's overperforming, all pro. Um, Taylor Decker doing really well. Yep. So th- it's just a mix of matches. That offensive line position is so hard to know what you're going to get at the next level um, yep. because guys are just bigger, stronger. I mean, you're you're going from college at Ohio State where you have you know five guys across that are probably much better than the the other four guys on the other side of the the defense, right? 
And so you can kind of hide sometimes uh, with that. But then when you get in the NFL, there's no hiding. You know, we get to the NFL, every guy's coming after you. They're, they're all, um, they're all all-star level, obviously that they would have been in college. And so, you know, if you're on an Island somewhere or you're, if a, a team game plans against you, you're, you're going to stick out. And so it, it, it has changed a little bit under, you know, since Urban Meyer, where I think the offensive linemen have got a little bit leaner. He went more towards the leaner, stronger offensive linemen than say the Jim Trestle, John Cooper era. Uh, but there's still that unknown when you get to the next level. That, to me, offensive line is so hard to judge what you're going to get at the next level. I, um, I agree with that. But with Josh Myers, you know, that's, that's a guy that really came out of nowhere at Ohio State, if you remember. I mean, he was not thought of as the next guy in line at the center position or even, you know, in the interior line and just had a fantastic uh, spring and fall camp two years ago and got the starting job and has just taken off from there. Um, the center position at Ohio State has been great the last four or five years. Yes. they got a couple guys winning the Remington Award. Um, but he is a kind of a self-made uh, blue-collar guy that's just going to go in there and be tough as nails, similar to Corey Lindsley, right? I mean, the grade coming out is similar to Corey Lindsley. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as a Corey Lindsley, um, but he just has shown that he's got that work ethic. I think that's, you know, his high motor, his work ethic, and his strength is probably his his biggest um, advantages going to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, do you have any concerns? So we'll go. let's go to his biggest weaknesses now. You you did notice him. I noticed him struggling against larger defensive tackles. Yeah, yep. um, that, that's kind of a yep. common thing. You know, I try to double check myself and read other scouting reports and stuff like that. And that is something that you know every, everybody saw the Alabama game. Him getting pushed around by uh, uh, mm-hmm. Barrett Barmore. Um, everybody saw him guy get pushed around against Clemson. Now the thing to remember though is he was hurt during those games. But we also right. saw that there were like I think he got it was Penn State this past year. He was pushed around a little bit. Uh, Michigan last year two years ago. He was pushed around a little bit. There are instances where they have a big grinding defensive tackle where he has mm-hmm. got pushed around a little bit, not get dominated or anything. Still a very elite level talent, but you know you don't see that from Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Um, but is there any concern there? Or are you chalking that up to his injury? Because like I said, the bear, the Barmore, the Barmore one is the one that really sticks out. No, I think there is some concern there. You know, and it goes back to him being kind of a he wasn't the five star athlete or four, you know, high four star coming out, and he's really worked to grind and make himself better. But he doesn't have the uh, the physical skills set that some other elite centers uh, that you'll see in a game. His footwork's not the greatest. It's it's good, but it's not elite level footwork. Um, so I think it is a concern. And when people are able to push back against him because he doesn't have um, some of those physical gifts that just are God given uh, for some other centers, then yeah, I think there is a concern there. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, you can. It's it's funny too because when, when I used to play, you could tell a lot about a player about an offensive lineman. My my an old coach used to tell me if when you're scouting offensive linemen, you want to look at their calves and their ass. That's right. Yep. <laughs> when you, when you, I saw Wyatt Davis over the weekend, and that dude was nothing. He would just look like a big old tree, just tree trunks. Yep. And Josh Myers, he's a big dude. Don't get me wrong, huge guy, but it's not that same. He looks like one guy looks like if he didn't go to the gym at all, he'd still be like that, and the other guy looks like he's got to go to the gym. Um, he's so got to work it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see that, or to, you know, the to be reminded of that. You know, you we did talk about before we move on to the next prospect because now we're getting off the offensive line. You did mention John Cooper. I want to give. I see there be no John Cooper slander on my podcast. No John. Cooper I love slander. John Cooper. <laughs> I love John Cooper. That dude brought in all kinds of talent. I mean, but his, his offensive linemen were big in in 
I would let's say let's say less athletic, but they didn't bust out. If like Corey Stringer, All Pro, Orlando Pace, Hall of Famer. You know, uh, Jason Winrow was a six round pick. He kind of he let last year. You know, I think William Roberts was recruited by Cooper. That's another guy who was a Pro Bowler, maybe not a Hall of Fame level player, but you know, but but it felt like under Trestle, a lot of those guys. Mike Adams really sticks up because uh, I don't I don't even remember him having a first round offensive lineman other than Nick Mangold, who I think was he recruited by Cooper. Or am I, I don't. It was right on the fringe, you know. I, was, I think it was Trestle. I think it was Trestle, but it was close. Yeah, but yeah, you're, I think you're right. right. He was at the center of the but class. There, there was a shift there, you know. Uh, Cooper did still get bigger guys, but of course, I mean, obviously, Orlando Pace was an athletic freak. Um, oh, yeah. he was big, but he was also strong and fast and athletic. I mean, you ever see the guy dunk a basketball? You know what I'm talking yeah. about. But there definitely was a shift right in there, right in between Trestle and Meyer, where Meyer's like, we're going to get. We're going to get leaner, stronger, as opposed to just getting big beef up front, trying to move you around. So, but, but listen, uh, I, I don't, I'll never slam John Cooper. I love John Cooper. I thought he brought in, you know, he brought in tons of talent for that program. A lot of it, he just, to me, you know, he just had a lot of bad luck. Yes, a lot of, some of the, like Sean Springs slips, right? And they lose that game because Sean Springs slips against Michigan. Um, now, don't get me wrong, at some point when you're, what was he two seven and one against Michigan? I mean, uh, you know that that's what obviously grilling, but yeah. but he he brought the program from you know pretty good, and then all of a sudden got the level going, and he actually made that Ohio State program back among the elite. So I, I'll never slam John Cooper. Oh yeah, you know yeah, it's other, funny other than the Michigan record, obviously you, you yeah. gotta. You got to give him that. So yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, he the man did have his flaws. It's funny. I ran, I, I ran, was at an event at, with him last year, and uh, he, we were talking, and he said, you know, if he said, I'm trying to, remember, I can't remember his exact words, but he said, you know, if they had the playoffs when I was a coach, we would have been in at least four yeah. times. He goes, I, pro- yeah. I don't, I can't guarantee you we would have won it, but I promise you we would have been in at least four times. I, was like, I know, I, I believe, 90, you, I believe you, coach. Yeah. That '98 team still. To yeah, this he day. talked about that. Yeah. 2015 team was really, really good. They never got in, but I would put that 1998 team as the one that probably should have won it all that year. Oh yeah, right? Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee got away because they lost to Michigan State on some fluky long bomb passes to um, uh, Plaxico Bur- Burris, and then couldn't find a way to score all of a sudden against Michigan State. And that they play that game 20 times. Ohio State wins 19 of them, and it just so happened that day, perfect, perfect storm, and they get left out of everything. Yeah, you know, and it's that's one of the fun parts about doing the, the Ohio State comparison articles and stuff. I try to keep it as recent as possible so people kind of remember. But you know, you, you always go back to those great Ohio State classes. Uh, you know, you you wrote an article. I think it was either you or Mark wrote an article recently about the 2016 Pro Day and all those guys. How yeah. phenomenal! But you know, back at that yeah. 98, that 98, uh, I guess it would have been the 99 NFL Draft class, 98 Ohio State football uh, state team. You know, David Boston, uh, Andy Katzenmoyer, you know, uh, D. Miller, Joe Germain, Stanley Jackson, you know, those guys kind of get, you know, Joe Montgomery. These guys were all Big Ten level players. And, you know, Derek Combs, right? those guys, it's just, it was, it's just crazy how much talent they had on that team. And they just, you know, it could, it, it just didn't, didn't happen, which is funny. You talked about the Michigan record too, because if you really look at uh, Jim Harbaugh, I was having a conversation with a friend mm. the other day where you're kind of dealing with the same thing with Harbaugh, where it's if you take the Ohio State stuff out of it, you ain't gonna find a whole lot of coaches that are better. I mean, if you're minus if you're really, year. yes, yeah, you gotta take year, away right? last year. You gotta take away yeah. last year. But yeah, you know, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna find anything better than that because you know yeah. he does what he does. And that's just it. We're getting a little bit of tangent here about it, but you know, 
unfortunately for Jim Harbaugh, he's got an Ohio State problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He's not got he's not got a Big Ten problem. He's got an Ohio State. Well, he, he can't beat top ten opponents very often either. But he just can't. He wins he, the he, games. He, he, for the he, most part, he's supposed to win. Yeah, and he pounded right. Notre Dame. He's he's got he's got a couple marquee victories. If you, mm-hmm. like you know, this, what I mean? yeah, like it's not like a couple years ago. Yeah, or was it uh, 2017, the, the season opener against Florida? He pounded, he pounded them. Yeah, was that might be the end of the year? But you know, he's got he's got a couple marquee victories. It ain't like he's not winning, but it's it's very interesting. But we'll, we'll move on. That's a, that's a tangent for another day, I suppose. <laughs> what I, could say, I could go on that forever, so I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a very interesting conversation, you know, and it's something that people people talk to me about all the time because I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. People message me, you know, Michigan fans and stuff. That's all. When are they going to fire? When are they going to fire him? Well, you know, what they, and I and I feel like I feel like I'm defending Michigan when I say, listen, he's not yeah. that bad. It's not that well, bad. And that's the point, right? Like, who are you going to go get? Who are you going to go get? If you and I hate this, now I got to talk about it. If if you're going <laughs> to fire somebody, and I hate this, it happens all the time where where schools just fire somebody, yeah. and they don't have a backup plan, and then they go onto these searches, and fifteen guys turn them down, and you end up with, you know, well, how is, a, a non-splash hire. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like with Auburn with Gus Malzahn. They, you right. know, the one the guy won a national championship with Nick Marshall, who can't even play quarterback. He's, you know, he's he, Nick, is is Gus Malzahn the greatest coach that's ever been? No, but he's definitely in the top five in Auburn history. He's won an Ashton. Oh, he's sure. done what he's done. He's got, he's, he's got an Alabama. Who are you going to hire that's going to beat Alabama? Is it Gus Malzahn or is it Alabama that much better? And that's kind of what Michigan's that, dealing with right now. And, and Yeah, and every by the way, everybody in the SEC has an Alabama problem. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so if you're going to judge based, you're going to judge your success based on what Alabama's doing, and nobody can be successful. I mean, yeah. and I'm going to call this now. Our buddy Ed Ogeron is going to be in trouble, even though he won a national title. He's going to be in trouble in about three or four years, I think, because he – listen, Ogeron I think is a good coach, but he did kind of fall into the Joe Burrow sweepstakes, who ended up being one heck of a quarterback, and they beat Alabama. But unless – until Nick Saban goes away, you're not going to continually beat Alabama on a year-in, year-out basis. And LSU wants to be able to beat Alabama, and when they don't start doing that and continue to do that, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, you know, like that, that's a – the Ed Orgeron thing, I I get, I, I agree with you 100. percent I, I love Ed Orgeron. He's great. I I 100 percent agree with you. The Auburn thing is even more outrageous to me because Auburn isn't Michigan. It's not LSU. Right. It doesn't have as rich of a history. Auburn. I mean, you know, there was when I was when I was growing up, Auburn pretty much sucked. You know what I mean? Like there was glimpses when they had like Rudy Johnson and uh, you know uh, what was it what was Ryan Tannehill not Tannehill but Ryan Tannehill who, who was still with, or maybe he was a South Carolina that's my point though they sucked so bad they had they had one year where the with Tommy Tuberville when they had Cadillac and Jason Campbell and uh uh Ronnie Brown but other than that you know it's not like they have this huge rich history other than a couple blips here with Bojack you know what I mean like it's just not they're like a, not they're like, like the mission they're like the Michigan State or Iowa, the Big Ten. Like every every three or four years, they have a run at special things, right? Exactly. And then they kind of go yeah. back to just trying to be in the middle middle of the pack. Yeah. So yeah. That's, but LSU's not like that. LSU's, I mean, they got no. feel like they have a no, pretty, got, pretty solid. They're in Louisiana who has great, yeah. great football talent. So yeah. Yeah. But they still so, got to beat Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. You still deal with the Alabama problem. Exactly. But the, yeah, the Harbaugh thing is it's absolutely fascinating to me. I love I love talking about it. I love hearing people's takes about it. People get Michigan fans get fired up about it. They get fired up. They want them out. And it just blows my mind. It blows Sounds my like mind. Sounds like a future topic on another podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, but we're going we're to go ahead and move on. Tommy Togiai, the big defensive tackle 
40 reps on the, on the bench press of 225, and that is so, so many. The only Ohio State Buckeye I remember even scratching that was I think Mike Kudla, and God bless Mike Kudla, oh. did not have – he was not – I don't, you know, I don't want to sound rude, but Mike Kudla was not Tommy Togiai doing it, and Mike Kudla's doing it. Doing it is different. That was probably Mike Kudla's thing. He was a gym rat. He didn't have the length. He didn't have. He was not. He wasn't going to make it. Tommy Togiai is the total package, and then he brings that to you. This is another guy I gave a second round grade to. You know, just an absolute a freak anchor, immovable object. I think I got him. I have him in the second round because he does lack the elite burst that you want in a lot of those yep. first round defense tackles. You know, the gap pass rusher kind of guy. He's never going to be that, but you know, he'll 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 lay down an anchor. Um, but where do you view him? How do you how do you like him? Yeah, I, I think I mean I don't know. If, you know he's a fringe second, early third, but. You know he's, you know his biggest strength is it's his strength. He's just yeah. strong as an ox. I mean he's he's going to take on you know one or two tacklers and and just plug up the middle for you, right? And it's not because he's don't get me wrong. He said Ohio State he's big. He's not a big beef feeder in the middle of the line. He's just so doggone strong, and he he does get off pretty well too. But more than anything, he's just going to sit there yeah. and bounce things outside um, to where other guys can make plays, right? And if anyone tries to run up the middle, they're just not going to be there. So obviously his strength is by strength of work ethic and he's got a motor and he's just going to, you can plug him in there. He's just going to go and you know, you probably won't be able to get him off the field. So that he's a guy that you probably can plug in and you might, you know, you could potentially expect him to be a contributor in year one. I agree. Sure. I, I would. I would fully expect that. I think I'm a bit based on this conversation. It sounds like I'm actually a bit higher on him um, than you are than me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I wish wish he would have come back for one more year. I think he could have really, really shown people in a full season um, and gotten a little bit more uh, work with Larry Johnson on that defensive line to work a little bit more on his technique. Um, I think would have done him some wonders and he would have been an even yeah. higher grade. Right. But he's uh, that's one guy I was surprised that left early, not to say that he can't do it. He'll get drafted, obviously, probably oh, yeah. early to mid round. Um, but I really thought he could have benefited from one more year showing that he was the man. That's a guy who's got a good attitude. From what I hear, he's got good people around him. He's prepared. He's got a very business like this. I'm going to make it. You know, he's always got a smile on his face. I, I, my understanding from people that I know, uh, like I've only, I've only met him, I've met him very few times and haven't had any real conversations with him. But people I've talked to have said that he's a very, he is enjoying this process he's loving this and that's that's that to me is also a good sign you see a lot of these defensive tackles you know being a browns fan we've seen danny shelton we've seen gerard warden you've seen these guys that are 300 pounds and they kind of eat themselves out of the nfl um and tommy togiai he could do that that's i'm not saying that that's not possible but he's not built like those guys danny shelton was a freak danny shelton to my eyes was a better prospect than Tommy Togiai because Danny Shelton did have some, he, he was, he was immovable and his first step was nasty, but he, let's face it. He didn't, he didn't live up to the hype and he did. He had a very sloppy body. He had a very sloppy body. Tommy Togiai isn't built like that. Tommy Togiai's built like a boulder. He's the, I don't think you have to worry about it. Broderick Bunkley kind of comes to mind. The old, uh, I think he came from USC was drafted by the Eagles. He, he didn't, he was too really kind of too small, but he was like the first guy that was like in that 290, 300 pound range. That was like, just had like a six fat six pack was just completely. Do you remember him? It was like, uh, Five, no, nah, I was probably he's out of the NFL now, probably about 10 years ago. But that dude was just completely ripped. And Tom Tugia is not that either, but he's got he's not I don't, to it, though. I mean, yeah, he's I, got I don't, look at it, right? Yeah, but, I don't think he's gonna eat himself out of the NFL. I don't I don't think he right. can, is my point. Um so well, you don't you don't 
you can be naturally strong, and I think there is some natural strength to Tommy Togia, but you don't get yeah. to the where you can lift 40, no. you know, 25 pounds 40 times without being in the weight room and yes. showing you have work ethic. Yeah. Phil Taylor's another Browns example. Uh, you can go on. You can go on and on about defensive tackles. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll move on. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, Baron Brownie. This is another guy that I was surprised after I did my grades. I'm, I'm still not done, but I'm, I'm done with my linebacker portion. I was surprised I, actually gave, I did actually give him a second-round grade outside linebacker. Um, I don't like to do that a lot with guys that lack production, college production, especially at Ohio State, especially with a five-star recruit like Barron was. Um, he was kind of granted a lot of opportunities and didn't really um, – Plus on him, but he's a guy that's got a very interesting body, broad shoulders. He's already, I think he weighed 240 at his pro day and probably can pack on 15 more pounds. He's got a good pass rush. Um, you know, the, I think he drops back in coverage better than most. Um, I think if he can clean up his technique and his, you know, I, I think I, I referred to it in my most recent article about him, his football intelligence, his football IQ, he could really be something nasty. Where do you view him at? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the most athletic linebackers to ever come through Ohio State. I mean, a guy is. Oh, you think so? Talent. Oh, I do. I think you know he's he's going to. And he did. He tested well, right? And there's no NFL combine right now, but he tested well at OSU yes. Pro Day. I mean, a guy can jump, he can run, he's he's fast. Um, maybe not as good in traffic as some of the other Ohio State linebackers of the past or other guys that you would think of, but he ranges sideline to sideline and gets to the ball really well. But to your point, you know where he's probably going to fall down a little bit is that we didn't really see enough of that from him. He started to blossom in his last year, year at Ohio state. And he started to show a little bit of it, but you would expect, expect a five-star guy like that. And he did have some injury concerns. We'll, we'll put that out there. Yes. But when you had your opportunities um, and you had that athletic ability, some scouts and NFL types are going to be like, well, what, what's missing, right? Because um, you have all the athletic attributes. Why are you not a little bit more productive than you have been? And I think the light started to go on for him but it just didn't go on early enough. So there's going to be a little bit of concern there. But from a pure athletic standpoint, you know, I think you made a great comparison with uh, McMillan, uh, Raekwon McMillan. He, he does remind me of Raekwon McMillan quite a lot, but I would say he's actually even a little bit more athletic than a Raekwon McMillan. So if it, if he can figure it out, get in the right system um, and just go play, I think, I think a team's going to get a pretty good, pretty good steal with him. But um, I think he goes down, you know, mid rounds. I don't think it's going to be a second round. I think it's going to be really? around four. Yeah, I do. Uh, we'll see. You know, guys can fall in love with a uh, prospect and reach and get and get him. But there's just always going to be that. Well, why didn't we see this from you a little bit sooner in your career? And you can always say, well, I had injuries. Well, then it's okay. We well, now you have injury concern. So you know, people are going to pause on that. But I, I love the guy. I think he's a leader, and I think that um, I don't. I mean, I think I know. He's got all kinds of of, of uh, the ceiling is really really high with that guy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that you you're probably more accurate in your your response. I I tend to rate you know I try, I try to go back and look at my rankings um, that that I've done and, and I, I notice that I am higher on guys at, on out at the linebacker position specifically that check a lot of those athletic boxes. You know, Tim he Williams does. from yeah. Alabama was another guy that I think I gave like a first round grade, and he's not even in the NFL anymore. You know, so. That, that but again he was drafted he was drafted relatively high but that's still you know to to indicate NFL success I probably am more biased towards doing that I was kind of amazed a lot of people have Pete Warner as rated higher than Baron Brownie because Pete Warner has more experience and coverage but I'm looking at Pete Warner and I'm and I'm looking at Baron Brownie and Baron Browning 
I don't know why they didn't utilize him more in coverage because he checks yeah. a lot of the athletic boxes to do that. Pete Warner was very good in coverage, very solid. But I think he gets sometimes he gets a little too much credit because he did get his he did get his behind kicked by Pat Fryer. That's the reality of the situation there. You know, he was out on an island against some more athletic running backs, and in the NFL, they're all more athletic. And I, I don't I don't think that that's going to be. I, I like. Pete Warner, I don't want to sound like I'm beating up on him, but he's getting a lot of he's getting rated higher than Baron Browning for that reason. I'm not seeing that justification. That doesn't make sense. That portion of it doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, his biggest weakness to me is not knowing where to go. The, the Ray, Rayquan McMillan, it seemed like it's so funny because the Rayquan McMillan, when he came out, I I thought he was one of the best Buckeye linebackers. I mean, he was just he was just I felt like he was everywhere. He knew where the ball was going to be before it got there. And now that he's in the NFL, it's just kind of feel like it's not really there. I don't I don't know I don't know what happened there. Um, but you know, he was able to move through that trash. But like you said, Baron Brownie doesn't have he's not he's lacking that ability to figure out where the trash is to avoid it. He's got to yeah, go through right. it. Right. Interesting point on your P Warner, P Warner and Barry Brown actually ran identical uh, 40 yard dash times. Believe it or not. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. I I don't, for some reason, it doesn't, doesn't click with yeah. me though. No, no, but that's, I'm just to your point, right? Why were we not, why would Baron Browning not being used in coverage a little bit more? He's, he's probably a little bit more athletic. I would say I, P Warner is probably, P Warner is probably more athletic than people give him credit for, but also Baron, but Baron Browning has got it all over P Warner from an athletic standpoint. Uh, when you start looking at the whole package. I see. And I guess you know. I guess it depends what you're, what you're, where you're looking and what you're looking at. Be a preacher draft season. I just see Pete Warner getting a lot of credit. I see Pete Warner getting a ton of credit. I'm just like, well, I don't really. And he's very good, very solid. It's just I don't like I said. And Baron Browning's bigger. He's got a bigger frame. I just I don't I don't really. Just a lot more a lot more clicks with me. But you said you said he's one of the <clears throat> most athletic linebackers you remember in recent history for Ohio State. Well, let, let's go down let's go down memory lane. Who who are some of the guys in your time watching Ohio State? And go go as deep as possible. I want to have okay. a fun conversation about who are some guys that click. You know, I mean, obviously the king of king linebackers in recent memory has got to be the big cat Andy Katzenmoyer, right? Well, you know, he's not he's not quite to that level. That guy was so big and could move so fast. Um, just an athletic freak. Um, you know, it's really hard to draw a comparison. Ah, Darren Lee was really athletic. Oh, Darren, God. Lee, Darren Lee was more you know linear uh, length. Lengthwise, why not? Maybe not as big and strong as a Baron Browning. So, but um, you know, Baron Browning wasn't quite. I mean, Darren Lee was fast for a linebacker. Baron Browning is a smidge uh, not as fast as Darren Lee. So it's hard to find a guy like I'm trying to think. Baron Browning, maybe we want to go way back. Um, you know, James Laurinaitis was more of a. I'm just going through my memory banks, right? That's athletic. He was athletic, but he wasn't. He didn't have the fast switch ability that a Baron Browning has. But way more, obviously, way more productive. Uh, much, much better instincts. Obviously, being a three-time uh, All-American as James Laurinaitis was. Oh yeah. Um, it's AJ tough. Hawk, people forget how athletic AJ Hawk was in college too. Yeah, he was and only, and only for a, so long that he and only a three-star recruit, right? AJ yeah. Hawk was only a three-star. I still have an old, I think I still have like an old sporting news when he came out and he was like, you know, they do like the, the awards, like who's the best at this, the best at this. And a lot of people, rate, the draft scouts rate him as the best coverage linebacker coming out in that year. You don't oh, remember that because he was in the NFL for so long that they moved him to yeah. linebacker. He started to get a little slower, kind of like moving Charles Woodson to safety. You know, people forget yeah. how good yeah. and athletic he was, but that was another guy who was just an, a very insane athlete. You know, Bobby Carpenter wasn't that kind of, like you said, the quick twitch athlete wasn't really there, but that was right. a big, strong man who didn't really get moved. 
I mean, I think I think you're I would go back to McMillan. I think that's probably the guy that is the closest because, yeah. you know, the game's changed at the line at the at the linebacker spot. I mean, you have to be able to much yeah. more get out in space. And so they've got a little bit lighter in, in, in linebackers now than what they did in past where guys had to kind of go through traffic you know, a lot more. Um, so it's really hard to compare um, earlier earlier on. If you go back a couple of decades ago, uh, which I'm dating myself now, but there's just a different type of linebacker. Other than Andy Katzmeyer, who could just run through a brick wall and track you down, there's just not a whole lot of guys that checked all the boxes from an athletic standpoint that a Browning a Browning did. Yeah, no, no I, I agree with that. You know, it, it, the Darren Lee thing is funny too because I remember him maybe, coming out. Maybe a Lorenzo Styles. There's a name from way oh back. Oh my god! There. Yeah, that guy was pretty athletic, but he was also uh, he was also one of those. You know, I'm going to get off a block and run through traffic too. So was he was yeah. he drafted the first round or the second round of the Falcons? It was the I second one, right? It's a long time ago. I don't remember when he was drafted, Craig, but Craig but he Powell was crazy probably athletic. Craig Powell probably fits that bill too because Craig, Craig Powell, Powell was about six five, two forty, and he I think he was a bit faster, top, faster probably right, yeah, a taller, yeah. faster, but but definitely yeah. athletic. Brian just think, package wise, athletically is is just he's just really good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Darren Lee comment is a, it, it's a, it's kind of an interesting one too because I remember him coming out. I was damn sure that he was going to be an absolute stud because he was so raw. I remember if you remember him getting quarterback in high school. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And he he worked really hard. I he worked very very hard to gain the weight necessary and do it. And he did a lot of things right to get where he was. Uh, I remember I sat down with an NFL scout and he was talking to me about. He's like that Darren Lee will never make it. And I was like, whoa, wow, that is really? really strong language. Why are you saying that? And he said, and we kind of walked me through some of the things he saw. And I I, I respect this person and listen to what he said, but I was rolling my eyes a little bit. He's like, look, I mean, just going, he's so fast that he's just going through there, shooting the gap, and no one can catch him. In the NFL, that's not going to happen. And they're going to yeah. take advantage of him. They're going to take advantage of him, you know, overreacting or overstepping. And, Sure enough, here he's, he's you know he's I think he's he's not he's not on his third team yet, but he's sitting the bench with the, the Chiefs, right? Uh, I think uh, I could be wrong on this, but I thought he he it was on the Chiefs roster. I'm not sure what his status is right now. Either way, he was a first round pick, and we had to sit here and think about. We're talking about Lorenzo Styles, and we had to sit here and think about where Darren <laughs> Lee. Right. So that's that right. kind of shows you where his NFL NFL career has gone. Unfortunately, of course, I yeah. understand he's got some other issues too. But you know, yeah. it's still good luck to him. You know, we're, we're never going to root against the guy. Uh, but the next guy on the list, another polarizing prospect. I was surprised I gave him uh, this high of a grade. To be quite honest with you, Sean Wade. I gave a third round grade at cornerback. You know, I, I feel like this is. Probably everybody probably is well aware of the Sean Wade saga, elite slot corner, moved to the outside and got his shit kicked in by uh, who was the who was the Clemson wide receiver? It wasn't Amari Rogers. It was uh, I can't remember. I can't remember the name. Of the I don't know, but he had, he had a really rough day against Indiana too. Freifogel yeah. got him got him lit up pretty good. Gosh, so he just. Man, I can't remember that. That's it's bothering me. Now. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, he 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 yeah he did not have the best year. Still okay. I think people over over exaggerate. I mean, I saw when he got named All American, Twitter was just lighting up. Like, how could that be? He's terrible. And it's like, well, let's chill out a little bit. Like, should he have been All American? Probably not. But let's not act like he's. I don't think he was ever a liability. It's just he wasn't. I mean, he was shut down two years ago. He was shut. He was shut down. He was the dude on the I mean, slot. Yeah. yeah, on the slot. I mean, different guy you're guarding, right? So that. Yeah, but I was surprised because, look, if you're looking for a guy that has all the physical skills and tools to be an elite corner and has shown it in the past, 
I thought for sure this would be a breakout year for him. Now, here's what yeah. I always say about last. Here's what I always say about last year, right? Take it with a grain of salt. Last year was a different year than again, not a lot of preparation. He was remember, he was moving to a different position. Not a whole lot of preparation in spring ball yeah. to get used to that. But when you're blessed with those type of skills, you usually can go out. I mean, so we'll, we'll use Chris Gamble, right? He was <laughs> Chris Gamble was he didn't have a whole lot of in the middle of the season got moved to corner and just Blanketed people. So there's some concern there. Um, you know, the concern is he bails, he bails off a of routes easy. And then so your 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 outs and your comeback routes, he's he's very susceptible to. Uh, uh, but he's very very long, very fast. Uh I he didn't run the pro day, did he? No. No. So we don't know we don't know what he's dealing. Point. He's dealing with, he's also dealing with a little bit of you know, we found out he was a little banged up last year. That's true. Um so that there's that, but that wasn't known during the season. So maybe we've seen people reach for defensive backs in the past. Maybe somebody reaches for him based on, you know, where his ceiling is. Um, but boy, yeah, I was su- surprised by uh, what we saw last year. Yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, you, you, you see a lot of cornerbacks in the NFL too. It's one of those positions where you can lack some athleticism and make up for it with your technique, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is a perfect example. Yep. Now, Grant, Richard Sherman has is very long, right? I don't want to t- completely act like Richard Sherman is not athletic, but he's, he wasn't very athletic being drafted, and now he's, you know, 10 years in the league, so he's even less athletic. His big his big thing was technique and length. You know, we've, we've seen that a lot. You know, um, Terrence Mitchell for the Browns. That guy's not very athletic, was never very athletic coming out of Oregon. And it's true. He's been in the league for seven years being a very decent, viable starter. Um, you know, so it, you, you can make a living doing that. There's some guys that just couldn't hang that I remember, you know, I, if, if you remember Chan Stribling from Michigan, I thought he was going to make it. He went undrafted, but the Browns signed him. And that was a guy who was shut down against Ohio State. Elite receivers just absolutely shut down. But he just, his his speed just couldn't, you got to, you got to be, have just enough and then have that t- uh, technical side. But I think Sean Wade does have that. I think Sean Wade can be a starter in the NFL. He just hasn't had enough time at the, you know, the outside position. I think, I think you get, unfortunately he's not going to get any more time. He's going to be dropped right. Here's the problem. <laughs> Here's the problem is he's going to be dropped right into the mix and you got to either, you either got to show it or not, you know, and it doesn't in the NFL, they'll, they'll chew you up, spit you out. Yeah. If you don't start showing it, and if he's not a first round selection, which he's not going to be all indications, not going to be at this point, probably more like third round. Um, That's right. They're not going to, you're not going to see the field immediately because they're not paying you a ton of money. So He's gonna to have to work his way back up into good graces with somebody. Yeah, you know, I, I think that I think that he can probably compete at, at, at slot probably immediately. Right. You know, you you do see the, the slot becoming more and more of a of an important position in the NFL. Um, so I don't I don't think I, I think he's gonna make it. It's not gonna be a situation where like I'm, I'm trying to think of a of a Buckeye who who complete like Jalen Marshall coming out. The, 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 we're not talking about he's a wide receiver, but that was a guy who's who's who certain things did not go his way, completely collapses NFL draft stock, went undrafted and, and did not, you know, had a really hard time stick and kind of bounced around. I don't think that's going to happen for Sean Wade. I think he's going to get a fair shake. You know, I think we're going to see him on the same team for three years before they, they, they give up on him a, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. As with anything, it's key on where he goes, right? Oh, yeah. Asking him where he goes. Situa- situation many, is everything. How many guys careers? I mean, how many, I know this is a Browns podcast. I know we're doing much better now with the quarterback situation, but how many quarterbacks got killed by the Browns organization in years oh, and yeah. years past until we until we finally figured it out, right? So oh, yeah, two right, right, right above me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So 
again, wherever Wade gets drafted, hopefully it's a good situation for him. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Situation is everything. A wise man, Bill Carroll, once said that when I first met him three, four years ago, and it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, very wise. I, I have a big drop off from all the other Buckeyes. So those are those are after that. I don't yeah. see these the next the next batch of Buckeyes being guys that are going to be consistent stars in the NFL. I think they're going to be depth guys. Is there anybody that you view? Because we're getting over time anyway, so I'll, I'll let yeah. you finish it up strong. Is there anybody that you want to add before we get off the podcast that you think is going to be a starter that I've left off? Um, I, I think maybe a wild card. I'll throw a wild card out at you is a Justin Hilliard. Um, oh, really? Only because, you know, he didn't get on the field because of injuries. And then when he was finally healthy last year, uh, he broke into that group with the other linebackers. You really could consider him. I say used four linebackers a lot um, towards the tail end of the season. And he really became uh, Ohio State's best playmaker there at the end of the year showing that he had the ability, especially against like a Clemson. Um, they used him in a lot of uh, various spaces and, and he's really good at diagnosing things. His instincts are, are high level. Um, and so once he got the field and was able to play, I think he's shown people. And by the way, he, he did show out in the senior bowl. He had a really, really good senior bowl in front of scouts. So I think that I would, I'm not saying he's going to go in the top three rounds, but I, I do think he's a wild card for someone to maybe take a little bit of reach on him because of the person that he is, his work ethic, the fact that he played really, really well um, at the Senior Bowl, and the guy is just an all-around high IQ, high motor, um, more than adequate ath- athletic guy that could plug in somewhere and 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 provide um, a starting role down the line. Wow, I am I am blown away that that's that's who you picked. I, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a good pick. I just think he's he's one injury away from being done forever. It kind of reminds no, I, me. Do you, do you remember Daquan Bowers out of uh, that came out when he came out of Clemson and was drafted in the second round? Sure do. Yep. It's it's kind of similar to that where it's like, man, I could just see him twisting his knee in training camp and just being in the CFL for five years. Like- that's, that's why I say it's a wild card because it only takes, yeah. you know, one team to say, hey, look at this this guy. And so I, you could see maybe a, a team reach for him based on what they saw in the past, then just chalk it up to, hey, he's had bad luck, right? And he was healthy all last year. And so we like the fact that he was healthy all last year. He finally got on the field. Um, so from a skill standpoint, someone may take a flyer on him. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Like I said, I don't want to keep you any longer. We've been going over for 15 minutes. I want to ask you one more question. One more question. We make it quick. Out of all your time covering Ohio State, watching Ohio State, who's the one guy that you thought for sure was going to be the absolute man in the NFL and they just suck? They just busted out. And you don't know why. Feel free to go as far back as you want. We talked about Craig Powell and Lorenzo Styles already. So, you know, if you want to throw up an Arch Leaster. I mean, I'll, I'll go I'll go more recent, and I guess the jury is still out, but I really thought Dwayne Haskins oh, um, was going to be a really, really good, you know, pro passing quarterback. Yeah, he might still do it, but he's got some – he's got a long way to go. <laughs> he's got a long way to go. Yeah, you, you, just, you, you, should, you should talk to Donovan about Dwayne. Donovan has met Dwayne Haskins a number of times. That he's got some Dwayne hat. He Donovan James is the first guy I talked to, where he said he's not going to make it. Okay. And I said why? And I he but he said but he his his thought process was that now that he's away from DC, which is where he grew up, which is he's hanging out with the boys. Now that he's gone, he might he might turn around. It's not a skill thing. It's all he's got. He's he likes he likes being a professional athlete a little too much. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, and you can kind of see that. He's, there's a maturity level there that hasn't quite kicked in. I think is really holding back. But he had such a quick release and was so accurate oh, yeah. that I thought, you know, he. I didn't think he would blow up year number one, but I thought he would be much further ahead than what he is right now. Oh, yeah. he was. Uh, it was him, the quarterback battle between him and Joe Burrow when he went. I knew that Haskins was going to win it. When it was at the USA Army All American game, or was it the 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 Army Navy game, or the I can't remember if it was the the Army All American game or the it was the Under Armour game, the Under All High School All Star game, and he was pitching Dinos, and I was like, "Whoa, that guy, yeah, that guy's legit." But I mean, uh, the, release, the, the ability uh, to process things was yeah. just you know pretty bold, elite, pretty deep. I, I, I don't know what's happened. Yeah, so. Well, we'll see what happens. We can do a Pittsburgh. You know, the jury's not done with him. Still a very young guy. But we we appreciate you coming on. Um, you can you tell everybody where they can follow you and, and see your work. Yeah, I mean, uh, publisher and, and editor of uh, Buckeyes Wire. You go to buckeyeswire.com. We're part of the USA Today Sports Media Group, so you can read our stuff and your stuff there. Um, That's right. <laughs> um, and then, and also you can follow me on Twitter at Phil Harrison BW for Buckeyes Wire. So at Phil Harrison BW. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on. This was fun. Hopefully we can get uh, some Buckeye Wire podcast action going here. Oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it at some point. So I think it's going to be under the banner of uh, you know USA Today and whatever they're going to put out there as a platform. But we'll we'll get it rolling. We'll, I'm sure you'll be you're going to be key. You're going to be key with that. So we'll have a little crossover yeah, between professional and college, I'm sure, a lot. Oh, hey, I'm down. I'm always down. But this was the Browns Wire Podcast. This is your host, Josh Keeley. You can follow me on Twitter at joshkeeley16. You can see my work at brownswire.com. Also, now, buckeyeswire.com. Make sure you give it a like, listen, review. Uh, you know, give us a thumbs up or thumbs down on YouTube. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter to the algorithm. So whatever, <laughs> whatever you prefer, I don't care how you do it. But yeah, make sure you give us make sure you give us a review on uh, iTunes. If you have any questions or any topics you want us to discuss, please let, let us know. And we are out. Thank you.